0: Produced by Podcast Architects.
1: Hi, I'm Janet Parrish, Director of the Reynolds and Reynolds Sales Leadership Institute at Texas A&M University. Welcome to TAMU Sales Making a Difference. Our purpose with this show is to connect relevant academic research to students and to industry. Cutting edge research can help prepare students for their future careers and can help industry with profitability and competitiveness. Don't forget to stop by maze.tamu.edu/sales and take a look at our programs. In today's episode, Hybrid Sales, Research and Challenges, we will hear from Dr. Wanwan Shi, Assistant Professor of Marketing at Mays Business School and Research Director for the Sales Leadership Institute. Dr. Shi is joined by guest Jason Day, Chief Revenue Officer at Star Res. These two will provide compelling insights into the world of hybrid sales, how it's changing the business world and where we're going in the future. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
0: Welcome back to TAMU Sales, Making a Difference, sponsored by the Reynolds & Reynolds Sales Leadership Institute. I'm Ben Wiggins, and I'm here with Dr. Wanwan Shi and with Jason Day. We are going to talk today a little bit about hybrid sales, and we wanted to remind you to like and subscribe and leave a comment if you find this content compelling. Also, feel free to check out the Reynolds & Reynolds Sales Leadership Institute's website at mazetamuedu slash sales. Dr. Xi, Mr. Day, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely, happy to be here. Uh, Dr. Xi, why don't you start us off? Let's talk a little bit about uh, hybrid sales and your research into the area. And why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what is hybrid sales?
2: Great, yeah, thank you. Um, Hybrid sales is a sales approach that involves different type of media formats and sometimes involve different salespeople. So to some uh, extent, it is similar to team selling, Um, but because of COVID, a lot of B2B sellers realize the value of remote selling. So they add the digital channels to the selling mix and that makes the, like we call it hybrid selling
0: okay and uh jason what is what's your experience been like with hybrid selling is it uh is it the the best thing since sliced bread or the 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 curse and bane of our existence look i I think the reality
3: in in hybrid selling which so just over the course of the last 10 or 15 years you know i've done everything and my teams have done everything from team selling all the way to what we are now calling this hybrid selling Mm -hmm. and um You know, it's definitely not the bane of our existence by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, for us as sales leaders, we're focused on meeting our customer where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, COVID obviously exposed the fact that our customer, especially in the enterprise world, was not at work. Uh, They were at home operating. And so it had to change a lot of the dynamics of how we did selling. For instance, you know, if you think about going out and getting the uh, contact information off of a database for an employee, that doesn't actually reach them anymore more because that's their office line and they're not in their office. And so it's, it's, it's been an evolution for sure. But we actually think that hybrid selling is far more powerful than just a traditional one way or the other, at Mm -hmm. least in the software space where I come from.
0: Right. And, and how is hybrid selling typically organized?
2: Yeah, I can uh, share some of the findings in research. So basically, um, there's many type of organization of the selling process, we call it the configurations. Uh, companies can set up uh, separate teams. One is inside the sales team, the other is outside the sales team, and they are serving two different segments of customers. Like Dell has call center, and they use call center to service um, small businesses. And then some organizations will migrate customers across different channels throughout the relationship building process. For example, Adobe will let uh, customers work with outside sales people. First and then migrate them to inside salespeople. Okay. And the work day have the opposite way. They will let customers work with inside salespeople first and migrate to outside salespeople. Okay. And other companies like Wesco, they will have a diet of inside and outside reps to work with the customers through the entire setting process. So we can see the different type of configurations and different ways to organize in Salesforce. Okay.
0: Yeah. Let yeah, me. I think... Go ahead.
3: Sorry, look, I, I think from a... Uh, at least in the software world, uh, we think about it a little bit like Workday, where we think about, hey, who's reaching out to the prospect or the customer first? And that's traditionally been more of an inside sales role. We'll call it sales development or business mm-hmm. development role, okay. where they're focused on interacting with the broader prospect or customer database. And then as opportunities are identified, those are then handed over to a more traditional sales role, an account executive or a sales rep, etc. Now that Sales rep could be a, a hybrid rep, and what I mean by that is like they may spend sixty percent of their time at home or in the office behind the computer working with that customer, and then forty percent of their time on the road doing your traditional in-person selling uh, to that resource.
0: Right. What are the challenges in managing a hybrid sales force? Where where do we most where do we most quickly run into problems?
3: I, I think for us, it's in. A couple of different areas one is communication for mm-hmm. sure because you've got to create a system of interaction a system of touch points such that you know if you've got a, a joint team mm-hmm. like a bdr team and a sales team they're not stepping on each other's toes hitting the same set of customers etc you can delineate that a couple of different ways for instance you know as uh, dr she was saying you can do that by, hey, they only go after this certain type of customer. Mm. You know, our, our inside selling team only goes after down market, or they only go after this particular profile, and our sales team goes after enterprise or a larger footprint. Okay. So communication is a, is a big one. So that's the, the biggest challenge. I think the, the second challenge is just around the talent and the folks that you need to bring in to do those roles, because they are very different. Um, and so that, that always becomes a challenge for us as we look to hire folks that can... could succeed well from an inside sales business development role versus a traditional, we'll call it bag carrying
0: sales role, if that makes sense. Right. And in terms of like the personalities that normally gravitate to one versus the other, I mean, are you, are you for your, for your, your bag carriers (laughs) as you describe them? Like, is that more the traditional kind of really outgoing personality, like sort of super upbeat kind of, um, I, I found, I found when I was working in sales earlier in my career, well, I still do a lot of sales myself, but uh, but that that there there was a lot of kind of momentum like that it seemed to thrive on momentum. Mm-hmm. And then for the business development type, a little bit maybe more technical, a little bit more big picture focus. Is that what you is that what you, you the two of you really have found or is there more variation in it than that? So, so from my perspective, it really depends
3: on the customer that you're selling to and the type of personality mm. that works best for that customer. Makes sense. You know, being in across a couple of different businesses over the last 10 years, you just get, you get different profiles there. Now, I would say traditionally your new business kind of hunter-type sales role, you know, kind of hunt it, kill it, eat it type mentality tends to have to be, you know, bent to your comment, more outgoing, that kind of will run through a wall, et cetera. Yeah. But pairing that with an account manager that's, that's, you know focused on um, you know uh, curating and focused on nurturing that customer and then selling them products down the road, can, come, can have a little bit different profile. On the SDR, on the business development side of things, there is a bit of this like high energy uh, focused on you know output, outcomes, results,
0: et cetera. Sure. Okay. Dr. Xi, let's talk a little bit about your research. You've, um, you and some of your colleagues at the Reynolds and Reynolds Sales Leadership Institute maze.tamu.edu slash sales have uh, done some research around improving hybrid selling, especially, um, and well, we've talked a lot about it in the B2B space, but what, what, are, what, are, their, what are the early findings of that research?
2: Yes, so we did this research, which I co-authored with Dr. Hari Shreda, um, our research director at mm-hmm. Reynolds, Reynolds uh, Sales Leadership Institute, and another co-author, Dr. Roger Deep from University of North Carolina. And we find that very interestingly in a setting of collaborative setting where a diet of inside and outside salespeople service customers, the past ex- a past collaboration experience is very important. So so basically, if uh, two people have been working together for several years, in their future project, they can increase sales a lot. Basically, we quantified this relationship one more one w- hold on a second. So, uh, one more year of collaboration experience will lead to five percent increase in customer sales. So that's the quantification I got. We got, huh. and also the if the beneficial side of the um, collaboration experience uh, is different for different customers. So basically, new customers benefit more from experienced salespeople that's what we find. And we also found that um, salespeople's diverse knowledge, product knowledge also helps a lot. Okay. And that uh, that knowledge helps them to grow businesses. But there's one caveat. If the customer's needs are very complicated, the benefit disappears. So our hypothesis is because of information choke because there's so many information flooding in, and it's very hard even for a set of uh, salespeople with diverse product knowledge to proceed and to um, digest the information to improve the sales. So that's a very counterintuitive findings we got from the research.
0: That's great. Jason, what are, what are your reactions to well, look, that? Well,
3: look, I think always the more especially in a, I'm going to use the team selling environment terminology or in a hybrid selling environment, the longer folks have worked together, the better the result. We see it time and time again on, you know, folks that have a strong relationship with their SDR. Like if you're, if you've got a territory as a sales rep and you're focused on growing that territory and you partner closely with that business development rep, that inside sales role, just smiling and dialing, that calling role, like that dynamic can create tremendous growth in that territory. The same thing can be said for sellers that have a very close relationship with their technical counterpart. We call them solutions engineers or sales engineers, where they come in to do the technical side of the sale versus the commercial or the business side. And when that relationship is strong, there's a heavy amount of trust. You know, it goes back to the age old, like they're finishing each other's sentences. Sure. You know, you just get a dynamic that is you know, really tremendous with the customer as they work well together. They feed off of each other. They kind of understand where the sales process is going, even though each of them have
0: a completely independent role in the process. Mm big data let's talk let's talk for a brief moment about data so big data it's not even the future it's now like yeah. big data has arrived uh, jason what what are the biggest changes perhaps so things you've either started doing or stopped doing and how those decisions relied on data or what are i guess what are the largest changes you've made that have been data driven and maybe some that surprised you
3: yeah i think you know in a private equity backed mm-hmm. You know, software world, which is where I spend my time, yeah, working with Vista Equity Portfolio companies and their selling of enterprise software into, into companies. Like it's an extremely data-driven exercise, yeah. And I think one of the areas where you can see it paramount is in the, really the uh, the appearance or emergence of a role called revenue operations. Which, if mm-hmm. you look back ten years ago, revenue operations didn't really exist as a role. But now it's probably one of the foremost roles that software companies, sales organizations are looking for. And these are the, the guys and the gals that are really focused on analyzing what happens in the sales process, what happens in the sales cycle, what happens with reps to increase predictability, not only on win rates, but on rep performance. And so from our perspective at StarRes, you know, we track data you know, we track just about everything as it associates with a sales cycle okay you know what's our you know what's our conversion rate from a qualified lead that comes in on the website to an sdr qualifying that and understanding is there a fit from them handing it over to a sales rep from that sales rep following up how does that deal you know go through the sales process and the sales stages and what's our win-loss ratio etc and so from our perspective we track everything and, it, and it's and it seems counterintuitive, but when you begin to analyze that data and understand what's going on, it can become a bit predictable. And not necessarily always in a, in a good fashion, which I can predict that it's going up. It's, hey, I can at least articulate with confidence what is going to happen, right? Well, up or down.
0: Right. Well, and without... without- you know, without throwing anybody under the bus or or uh, perhaps as an opportunity to compliment, you know, a, a certain team or a certain group or a certain individual, what what then, what ha, what other things have you changed? So you started looking at the data sure. and then as you see sort of, this is going to go well, this is going to go badly. What was, what, what findings from that, that you can talk about, you know, some sure. of it is, some of it's proprietary, but what pieces were different than what you expected? Yeah, I, I think from a,
3: a, a data perspective. I think the interesting thing is is how much effect we can have on the result of a seller based on how much we invest in their onboarding and their boot camp and helping them understand the sales process, understand the expectations, and understand the product. And, and and so just investing early on in that sales resource. And and look, it doesn't matter whether they're a bag carrying rep, a, a seller, or they're business development or inside sales only, you're, you need to invest early on in their understanding, their understanding of the message, their understanding of what you're selling to, to g- generate the results
0: that you're looking for. Dr. Shi, any, any thoughts to add to that from, from, the, from the academic research-driven perspective?
2: Yeah. Could I ask a question?
0: Sure, yeah. please. Yes. So
2: what kind of data you retain through the setting process? You mentioned that, like the onboarding process, right? Maybe the salesperson make 10 phone calls, maybe. Yeah. Uh, do you track all those things?
3: We do. So the, the beauty of, of kind of the evolution of selling, especially in the software world, so there's a ton of great tooling out there to support sales teams. And I like this is not rocket science that we've created. There are there are folks out there like Gong and Groove and, and Tooling that help us as sales leaders do that data analysis. But but you know from a we we, we track a scorecard for every single person that's in our sales organization. And that sales, that scorecard is made up of a of a couple of different factors. Um, and you know that tracks everything from activity level And that activity has, I'm gonna put air quotes up on activity, because activity can mean a lot of different things depending on the sales role that you're in. Activity could be, I've made a certain number of calls if I'm inside sales. Activity could be a certain number of customer visits if I'm more of an account manager role. Activity could be a certain number of email outreach or a certain amount of, of calls if I'm a seller. So we track activity. We then take activity down to pipeline that's created. We take that pipeline created to, you know what is our win rate on that pipeline? and then we take that further into, okay, how accurate are we in forecasting, you know, when are deals going to come in, et cetera. So, so, you know, while there's a lot of art to selling, from a data perspective and a big data perspective there's a lot of science that goes into how are you building your territories how are you incentivizing your reps and and how are you staffing your teams
2: yes from academic research perspective we uh, there's research published finding that uh, um, when companies have these analytics tools in place sales people tend to use them and to change their uh, behaviors. For example, they, in older days they m- might take uh, phone calls, make phone calls to 10 different customers and try to gauge which one they should go after. But with this data and the predictive analytics, they could see the probability produced by artificial intelligence or some modeling techniques. And they can use that to optimize their resources and their time and how they go after customers. So that's really, really very powerful tools. And also the there's research evidence showing that this helps companies to increase their bottom line. So basically, they have some sales unit didn't use analytics tool, some sales unit use this type of tool, and they compare their performance. And it clearly showed that with those systems and analytics tools in place, the performance are higher than those units didn't use them.
3: I, I wish it was as sexy as artificial intelligence, but I'll be honest with you. The most effective tool that we utilize with our sales teams is, is gong, which is call recording. And it goes back to how do you get better? And it, and it goes back to game film. I mean, it's a, it's a traditional athletic activity, which is, hey, the day after the game, you're going to watch the game film and you're going to learn what went right, what went wrong, not to point anybody out specifically or to any way kind of bring them down, but to help them get better. And tooling like Gong allows you to do that. Record calls, it transcripts the calls. You can quickly analyze to say, hey, what messaging is working? What messaging is not working? We can track how many times do we talk about this particular value message or this particular statement in our sales cycle? And so we can get Findings and data that, that helps us, you know, improve how the reps are performing and the, the, the tools and the, the material that's available to them.
0: Right. Here, here are the stalls that keep getting us. Here are the objections exactly that keep right. getting us.
3: That's exactly right. Yeah,
0: it's 100%. Yeah. What, what is the highest potential of hybrid selling?
2: Yeah, I think that um, hybrid selling, as uh, I talked before, that there are different configurations, right? So businesses will choose the one that fit their business model the best. And then I feel that uh, um, especially for collaborative selling, inside and outside uh, adding technology that together services the customer, customer actually have the flexibility that choose the communication format they like most. So I feel that... Um, investment in technology and in inside selling helps customers to uh, optimize their own time and their communication with the seller uh, which increase the winning probability of the seller so i believe it will increase the the, the future profitability of using hybrid selling
3: yeah i mean for for us you know, we think about it as how do we get the most qualified deal in front of our sellers, in front of our technical resources, because that's going to increase our win rate. And so for us, the priority around hybrid selling is creating the balance between folks that are focused on inside selling, opportunity creation, identifying where there's, there's good fit for our products at the customer, and then Partnering together with the sales resource, the, the the selling team, to then move that through the sales cycle. So for us, like the the ultimate, I don't know what you say. The balance there is where we've got a, a phenomenal amount of high quality leads coming into our sales organization that they can quickly, that they can quickly, uh, uh, you know, take and work and move through the sales cycle.
0: Hmm. For. Uh, a student uh, interested in getting into this as a career, What what's the piece of advice you would give them that you feel like would surprise them the most?
3: Yeah, I think from a, you, you, a lot of folks will say, hey, the the best on-ramp into sales is through, you know, maybe a BDR program or an SDR program. And I think that's, that's very true. It's a good place to understand what the company does, what the value proposition is for the customer, et cetera. But that doesn't always guarantee you success from a selling perspective. Mm. The roles the 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 expectations, the type of person that's successful in a BDR capacity versus a bag carrying sales perspective is a bit different. Mm-hmm. And and for us it's about coaching those folks through that process. But but some of the best ways into companies, especially in enterprise software sales, is in through that SDR or that BDR program, that inside selling program mm-hmm. where we want to invest heavily in folks to to learn our product and learn our service. Okay. It creates a, a really nice on ramp into you know, enterprise selling, et cetera.
2: Yeah, I think for students who are still in the program, they probably want to uh, consider adding some of data analysis and programming type of courses into their portfolio so that they, they, they know how to deal with data, uh, because as inside cells, they need to work with the technology, they need to digest the information, and sometimes help the program to improve the prediction accuracy using human wisdom. So I feel that uh, adding some courses and train themselves with um, data uh, analysis skills and the programming skills would benefit the students a lot.
0: Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for those insights. Again, to our listeners, don't forget to click like and subscribe. Don't forget to leave a comment. And please visit maize.tamu.edu sales. Dr. Shi, Jason, thank you so much, both and of thank you, you, for your time today and for your insights. Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Shi.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Here are some of our top takeaways for students and for business leaders. First, for students, the key takeaway that it is important to cultivate both sets of sales skills is a critical one. Both the more internal development, discovery oriented, and the more external commercial relationship oriented skill sets are the important ones. They will serve you well. The second takeaway for our younger audience is that it is really important to understand data and this is particularly true for salespeople. Continuous study and development in this area are highly recommended. Finally, as Jason pointed out, the best on-ramp into a sales career is often through a business development representative or a sales development representative program. This also plays to the first takeaway as these programs develop the skills outlined there. For business leaders, our first recommended action item is, whenever possible, keep sales teams together, as each year together drives roughly 5% additional revenue. And our second item, we found organizational communication is particularly key with hybrid selling. When working in multiple venues, it's more likely that simple mistakes can be made, like two reps reaching out to the same customers. So communicate thoroughly. There were some other very important key points made today. Understand that different types of sales may lend themselves to different personalities, but even smaller companies ideally need well-developed inside and outside sales to perform optimally. Then, experienced salespeople with deep knowledge benefit customers, but with very complex needs, the benefit of that deep knowledge tends to disappear. Finally, we have to emphasize data one more time. When analytics are in place, the bottom line increases. Thank you again for tuning in. Please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn to stay connected. On behalf of the Reynolds and Rentals Sales Leadership Institute, I'm Dr. Janet Parrish. See you next time.
0: Produced by Podcast Architects.